independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. The United States got Vladimir Zelensky something for Christmas. It is a big, giant check. It's actually several checks. Here we go. For To make it easier for the Department of Defense to procure critical munitions and defense materials for Ukraine and other key materials to strengthen our national security. Today, I'm announcing the next tranche of our security assistance to Ukraine. $1.85 billion package of security assistance that includes both direct transfers of equipment to you that Ukraine needs, as well as contracts to supply ammunition Ukraine will need. Yeah, and by the way, that's uh, not including any of the amount of support for Ukraine that's in the omnibus bill. So a lot of money uh, going to the people of Ukraine, we hope. Uh, that I say that on purpose because uh, time and again, and I know that they're at war right now. I know that uh, they use the military weapons and things we give them uh, to fight that war. Uh, but Ukraine, long thought to be a very corrupt country, the second most cor- uh, corrupt country in Europe, actually, according to independent um, sources. So if we give them check after check, uh, that's the best we can do right now. That's the best that our leaders have put us in a position to do is hope that all of that aid gets to the people uh, that I think a lot of us would like to help. Now, granted, uh, there's another aspect to all of this. There's another caveat to all this. And I've been talking about it a bunch. Uh, but yesterday it became very clear uh, whether this reporter was told to be here or whether this reporter just happened to be here and asked the question that they wanted to ask, uh, a question that went viral, not just here in the United States, but if you go on places like Twitter and type in some of this information, you can see it being shared all over in other languages and people reacting to it. Um, for everyone maybe but us, this was the moment of the visit. It was not the uh, speech given to Congress. It was not the uh, shaking of hands. It wasn't even all the moments where our president kind of looked like someone who was tremendously proud that they were standing next to Zelensky the way that, say, a politician feels or seems to feel when they go volunteer at a soup kitchen or something and then make sure the cameras are rolling. It's very awkward. There were several moments that felt kind of like that. But to everyone else in the world, this was the moment. This was the trap, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, this was the most important back and forth. Um, and now Ukraine desperately needs more capabilities, including long-range missiles uh, attackers. Maybe I sound naive, but can we make a long story short and give Ukraine all capabilities it needs and uh, liberate all territories rather sooner than later? Thank you. Then there's a pause. His answer is yes. Biden just said his answer is yes, pointing to Zelensky. More awkward pauses. Laughter. Ha ha, funny to everybody. Waiting. I agree. Burst into laughter. This is hilarious to everybody, but maybe everyone in Ukraine, all the people who actually do believe that the United States not just should, but eventually will fund the war effort, the war effort that goes well beyond protecting Ukraine from the invasion and much more into revenge, uh, if that's even a way to say it, or much more into attacking the contested areas that have long been contested between Russia and Ukraine, including even Crimea, which has fully been annexed uh, by Russia. Those are the things the Ukrainian people want. And by the way, and I do like Jesse Waters take on this, they should want those things. That makes sense. They're a country at war. Uh, They're a country whose people have decided to stand up, not just the military, and essentially shocked the world uh, because no one really predicted that we would be in a place like this 
uh, this long after the start of this war. Most people assume that Russia would win this quickly, and they didn't. Uh, most people assume that Russia would inevitably win this, and it doesn't seem that they are. Uh, Ukraine is pushing them back. Ukraine is starting to create a fight in some of these uh, contested areas. And as I said, starting to really hope uh, that the United States does the best that it can to give them the resources to go fight even further. And I want to just say this before I even play Jesse's take, which, again, I also very much agree with. Um, if Ukraine had come to us, if there hadn't been a war, if this hadn't started, if the imploring um, uh, us to care, the hearts and minds of Americans to care, to, to fall in love with, if that's even the right way to say it, Ukraine and its cause, uh, then we would never have supported them to this degree. What I mean is if they had asked us to help them fight in those contested areas, to help them take back Crimea from uh, Russia, we would have said no. But now they're essentially trying to make us say yes. Here is Jesse's take. Zelensky's never going to surrender and he's never going to negotiate. The guy's charming, but he's a killer. And the fact that he spoke English tells me that's not happening because he said the country wants vengeance. And you understand it because you have widows, you have mothers, you have brothers that saw their sons get hacked down by this Putin war machine. And they're not going to say, OK, let's cut a deal. Let's do some reparations. You keep the East. They're going to do everything they can to expel the Russians out of that territory. And then they're going to bring up some of these Russian generals on war crimes. That's what they want. Yeah, uh, we have essentially swung the door wide open. Uh, this president is not one who calculates anything. Uh, look, we can uh, yell and scream about people who have partisan opinions on the right or the left about whatever politician is in office and the, the deficiencies of that politician. But Biden is a uniquely a dis, uh, a uniquely unqualified individual, uniquely uh, bad at some of these things, especially anything uh, that involves anywhere other than our country. He's made mistake after mistake here in the United States. But internationally, all of the things that he's done, the decisions he's made, Afghanistan, uh, one of them uh, that obviously uh, glows the brightest to so many or or is an example that is so awful to so many of, of how inept uh, some of that was. And now, essentially, Ukraine is getting what it wants from us. It, it's coming in and out of the United States, uh, demanding a check and being given one. Uh, and it's doing this in a way that seems nice and friendly. And we, we praise them. We, we scream and yell. And I, again, I'm not trying to say that I'm anti-Ukraine. I'm, I'm not. I, I would like to see the Ukrainian people defeat Russia. Uh, but it's this has been utilized uh, more so than anything else. This is the tinfoil hat of the show, I guess, if that's what you want to say it, uh, than anything else I've seen in a while in which Ukraine is starting to expect things that we normally, as I said, would never have agreed to. And I don't know the position we can take to get away from those things. I know Russia ramped up some of its rhetoric saying that the United States is is pushing closer and closer to you know, uh, being considered um, uh, in a fight with Russia, uh, more or less, uh, that's what they're saying. Uh, that is interesting. Uh, they say we're provoking them. Um, but in all honesty, I don't think the Ukrainian people, and I don't think the president of Ukraine, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, believe they ever have to negotiate or they ever have to lose anything uh, that they want to win and win in, in totality. And they can't do that without us. Uh, the United States has been supporting them much more than anyone else in Europe has. Uh, with the amount of money, the amount of capabilities we've provided. And so even that question, and I can play it again if people want to hear it from that reporter, uh, which is, can we please cut a long story short? Can we stop this long visit and all these reporters and all these things that we don't want to do, that Ukraine doesn't want to do, that Vladimir Zelensky doesn't want to do? Uh, Biden explained to him, by the way, it's audio I have for later, that he was voted Time Magazine's Person of the Year. He couldn't have cared less 
That couldn't have mattered less to that man, and it shouldn't. It's a ridiculous thing to tell a guy who just left a battlefield uh, to come visit our country to ask us for money and support. Um, but it demonstrated to me an objective. He had a mission. He came here. Uh, he he won on his objective, and his objective is not completely aligned with ours. Uh, and I just want everyone to be aware of that uh, because at times I think that when you start to say those those negative sentiments in the world of what's going on in Ukraine, uh, people blow up. They explode. They think, how dare you? Why, what are you, pro-Russia? No, of course not. Of course you want to see them win. Of course you want to see Russia defeated. Of course we would do everything we could to prevent Russia from taking over Ukraine, which was what was at risk at the start of this whole thing. But that's not necessarily what's at risk now. So I want to play this one more time, and then we'll take a break. This is the reporter jumping up and saying, please, give us all this stuff that we need. Uh, give us every capability. Give us every uh, penny that we're asking for. Don't ask us any questions. Just hand it over because we need it because we're fighting the war the way we want to fight it, and we don't care. You're the supplier. You're the funder. I think actually Tucker Carlson claimed that Zelensky was the uh, strip club manager uh, of Ukraine coming to, to take the money from us, uh, the United States, which obviously makes us the stripper in that situation. But here, uh, this is one more time, uh, and I believe po- probably a planted uh, question, uh, creating the most noise out of anything um, uh, everywhere else but here. Um, and now Ukraine desperately needs more cap- capabilities, including long-range missiles uh, attackers. Maybe I sound naive, but can we make a long story short and give Ukraine all capabilities it needs and... Uh, liberate all territories rather sooner than later. Thank you. Awkward. His answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Now, again, what's so funny about all that, by the way, is that was probably the most, um, the, the biggest moment of levity for Zelensky and the entire thing. And I just one other thing is screaming to me. I told you to take a break, but I guess I will in a second. Uh, it's sort of what they say, and this is probably a bad comparison, but darn it, I'm going to make it. Uh, when you're at the poker table and you all kind of laugh and joke that somebody there is obviously the sucker. Somebody's getting taken. Somebody's uh, going to give all their money up at some point. And then you look around the table and you realize, wait a minute. I don't know who the sucker is. Usually the sucker's you. And so when our media, when our uh, press is laughing at this back and forth moment, <laughs> how hilarious that they just asked for everything they need to fight the war the way we don't really want them to fight it, the way we don't want to fund it. And Zelensky just stood there making it a joke. Uh, Every part of that mattered differently to everyone else than all of our reporters, all of our media and our president in that room who just kind of thought it was a nothing moment. It was far from that. A quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. If you like talk radio like Chad Benson likes his meals, you've come to the perfect place for takeout. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, Chad is off until after the holidays. Lots of stuff uh, to talk about. Uh, Severe weather going to be hitting a lot of the country. Uh, They're calling it uh, a cyclone bomb or a bomb cyclone, excuse me, and one of the worst uh, storms in the history of of time. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly that. Uh, but it's a, a storm of a lifetime. Uh, so people throughout uh, parts of the country uh, that are dealing with any of that, be safe. 
uh, anyone you know uh, in parts of that country, just check on them. Uh, I make sure they're safe, uh, I guess. And hopefully, uh, because in some areas, I guess some of this has been downgraded a little bit. Hopefully that keeps happening because what an odd way, uh, just quickly, and I'll move on to other stuff. What an odd way to hope for a white Christmas in parts of the country and then to get like a very, um, very uh, t- intense version of it, I think. Uh, actually, speaking of intense, uh, this is uh, viral all over the place over the last few days. I guess somebody put up a video or they read a post on Facebook. I don't know. The Internet's weird. But anyway, now this is everywhere. Like, it's in all the different um, Internet places you could go. Uh, this is a kid's, what I'm to believe, real letters uh, between uh, him and Santa Claus last Christmas after the kid was disappointed uh, by something that Santa provided. Uh, so this is, again, uh, I believe they're all real. I'm not totally sure, although the first one definitely seems to be. So Jeremy is the kid's name. I don't know how old he is. Uh, he got up a couple days after Christmas or maybe a day after Christmas, and he was upset. He only got one of his two presents, so here's how he handled it. Dear Santa, I am writing this uh, the day after Xmas, and I'm very sad. I only received one of the two presents I asked for. Since you ate my cookies, I will assume that the missing gift was a mistake. (laughs) I'm already a big fan because he said, I did my part. I provided cookies. Everything that I was supposed to do, I understood the mission. I provided correctly. You didn't fulfill your end of the argument, guy. Um, He then gave Santa a week to remedy the situation. He said, you have one week to fix this. So Santa wrote back to Jeremy. Uh, He said, dear Jeremy, I'm sorry you were disappointed with your presence. You asked for two very expensive things, and Santa could only do so much. Uh, You will need to learn to be grateful for what you have and not be upset about what you don't. If you continue to complain, I will have no choice but to add you to the naughty list next year, Santa. Uh, So I already think it's interesting that no one's saying, you know, love Santa or love. There's there's no exchanges of those pleasantries. Uh, And by the way, actually, before I keep going, because we're not done here, I did get a letter from Santa when I was a little kid. Uh, I remember it's one of the like we did um, a couple things. We would celebrate St. Nick's Day where you'd put your shoe out. I think this was on like the 6th or 7th of December. I can't remember now. And Santa would put a gift, like a little treat, some kind of candy in the shoe. And one year, Santa also wrote us letters. And my letter included, I needed to clean my room more or Santa might trip while he was dropping off my Christmas presents. So I just got it done. Unlike Jeremy, I I took Santa at his word. He said that uh, some things that I really didn't want to have be at risk were at risk. And so I had to do what he said. Now, Jeremy continued. He said, um... (laughs) Dear Fatty, your threats don't scare me. This is a child writing this, I'm to believe. I played your game and you did not deliver. I don't know what's going on. Uh, This is not okay. I will give you one week and then you will pay. Jeremy. Uh, He also put a PS on this one. He said, I don't know why that is expensive and why that matters. Uh, There's some uh, bad words used there. Just not like make sense. Uh, He goes, you have elf slaves to make things for you. I think you were very naughty for having elf slaves. And he's probably right about that. I mean, in all honesty, I don't know how the naughty and nice list work, but if we're describing the elves as slaves and they're not willing to to work there, which I thought they were, every description I've seen, uh, you can go off and become a dentist if you want to. Anyway, Santa wrote back to Jeremy again uh, to just paraphrase it because we're running out of time. Uh, Dear Jeremy, you are being a very bad little boy because you could not be happy with what you have. I talked to your parents and told them to take away your Wii U, so he lost a thing. Now you have nothing. That was a strong sentence by Santa. Uh, Once you learn to be grateful, perhaps you will get it back. I'm disappointed in you, Jeremy. You will need to be extra good this year if you want to be back on the nice list. Uh, Jeremy did write back to Santa one more time. I'm going to assume he didn't make the nice list uh, this year. I'm assuming this year is not going to go well. Uh, The last letter, and this is why people love this story so much, and everybody on social media seems to be on Team Jeremy, uh, but he wrote, Dear Santa, 
I do not like that you the stunt you pulled with my parents. I don't like these games, St. Nick. I just added that. Uh, you are on my naughty list now. Be afraid. Uh, you look slow and easy to kill. Enjoy your cookies next year because they will be poisoned. I hope you die. Jeremy, that took a turn. Uh, and honestly, the only reason that I'm skeptical of this being a child is because of how um, extreme the message is. Uh, but then I start to think to myself, any time that I've seen a little kid uh, be told no in the society we have right now and how quickly that devolves into mass chaos, whether you're in a store, it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, if you see a young parent struggling to apologize to the child for saying no to the kid and the kid seems like the one in charge, I think that's becoming more and more the norm, uh, sadly, for whatever reason. So I'm not totally um, saying that this is definitely fake. There's a chance it's real. Uh, I hope Jeremy at some point regrets it. Again, I don't know any more about it. I don't know that anyone's outed Jeremy, who he is, how old he is, why he's got a streak in him uh, that probably someone will need to send him to a, a psychologist to help figure out. Uh, but I do love the fact, as I said a second ago, that so much of the Internet is in support. Uh, Jeremy wasn't holding back. Uh, Jeremy took down Santa. Uh, Jeremy woke up and chose violence. Those are some of the responses people have to this story. Uh, good luck to all of us, and Merry Christmas is how I'll end this segment. Greg Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. I do want to keep going around the, um, well, I guess the television as far as takes are concerned. Tulsi Gabbard, who is a uh, frequent guest on Tucker Carlson now, uh, weighed in on a lot of what was happening as far as uh, Vladimir, Zelensky is con- Vladimir Zelensky is concerned, uh, the president of Ukraine and his visit yesterday. Uh, here's some of what she said. He yeah. is... You see uh, no freedom of the press. He has shut down any media that he does not control, his government does not control. He has gotten political opposition uh, arrested, made sure that that's happened. As you mentioned, he shut down the biggest Ukraine church uh, in the country. And, and I found this quote today. He has actually threatened to punish, quote, any Christian caught worshiping in unapproved ways. Yeah, so here's the thing, and I know we're probably going to talk about this a lot today, and I'll try to find other stuff, and we'll move on uh, quickly here. I just, I believe, again, and I know I was saying a little bit of this before, uh, that we really misunderstand, or we're kind of getting a a broad strokes version of who the individual is, uh, the individual that's being celebrated by a lot of the world, not just the United States right now, and the country and the values of the country, uh, whatnot, the way in which it's run, all of that. Uh, we're getting a very basic version. It's almost as if the United States read a headline uh, as far as who Ukraine is, who Zelensky is, who everybody is. The way anybody does when, like, your Facebook feed is full of stories. You don't read them all. You just look at headlines. And then we just moved on. And there is a lot of valuable information. Uh, you want to know, essentially, who you're going to bed with. That's what they say. Uh, and there are aspects of it that I think are still uh, wildly misunderstood. Uh, one other person I do want to play audio of on this issue 
And I'm sure that this name, this person is one that not everyone always wants to hear from. Uh, but Representative Lauren Boebert, uh, who was yelling the other day, um, and actually I thought it was kind of like a high school football speech. Uh, she asked a, a simple question. She asked it in probably a, a not perfect way. Uh, but I think this is another valuable thing to start talking about in the world of Ukraine and making sure that even though uh, we have two clear things we say at the same time, we're, we're not pro-Russia. Uh, our country does not want to see Russia succeed or win or defeat Ukraine. Uh, but we're not dumb. Well, I hope we're not dumb. We might be dumb. I don't want us to be dumb, as in I don't want us to just blindly do whatever we're asked to do without any form of checks, balances, anything. Hey, everyone. I just finished attending the address by President Zelensky, and we're going to have votes here at the Capitol for the next four hours or so. Here's what was clear from tonight. The people of Ukraine are suffering. The war is deadly and horrific, and the carnage has not stopped. Sadly, what I didn't hear tonight was a clear explanation of where the first $50 billion we sent to support their efforts went. Yeah, so here's the problem with that. And not that I'm saying I don't disagree with her. I would like uh, to understand how the money is being used, what it's going toward, and if it's if it's helping the people or the army, the military, whatever it's supposed to help. But that wasn't Zelensky's mission. He wasn't going to go make a political speech outlined with, like, you know, charts behind him all the different things that he was going to do with our funds. He wasn't going to act as though he's any other politician because, well, he's not. And what I mean by that more so than anything else is that he's a guy uh, who's fighting a war in another country, leading that country in that war. He doesn't give a crap about a lot of our stuff, uh, including our, our um, media. He doesn't care about most of it. He cares that the world may watch what he says to our leaders, uh, he cares even more that Russia watches what we say to him. Um, but he's not going to sit out there with uh, uh, graphs and charts and things and make sure you understand everything. Ukraine has literally never done that uh, for us. All right, let's play this. This is valuable. Uh, this is Justin Trudeau. Uh, he is talking about gun control in Canada. Now, granted, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I say a couple things when I talk about guns. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in everybody's right to have uh, are to bear arms. I have a bunch of military family members, including an uncle. Uh, his name is Vinny. He'd like to take me out shooting. Whenever I go visit him in, t in, uh, in uh, Florida, I used to live somewhere else. Uh, whenever I go visit him in Florida, he always tells me, like, we got to go. We got to go shoot. You got to go. And I haven't gone yet. Uh, not because I'm, I'm really all that afraid. I fired a gun one time in my life, uh, but because I feel like he's going to start training me uh, to be a Marine. Because uh, I feel like he knows no other way to do it, and I don't think I'm up for it. I know that's not my calling, uh, so that's probably why I haven't gone. But anyway, I'm, I'm a person who doesn't use guns that often. I don't own a gun in my own life. Uh, so uh, maybe that helps with those who are very anti-gun uh, when they hear my take on any of this stuff to understand that I'm not like a guy with a gun strapped to the side of my um, uh, belt right now. Not that I judge that guy, but that's not me. But this is a problem, what Trudeau says and how he says it. And it's, it's a valuable thing for people here in the United States to be worried about because this is essentially the end goal of a party within our, our country. They want to do the things that Canada is doing, and this is one of them. With Justin Trudeau admitting that some of those rifles, even those used legally by hunters, will be banned. There are some guns, yes, that we're going to have to take away from people who were using them to hunt and say, but we're going to also make sure that you're able to buy other guns from a long list of, of guns that are. There's a long list of other guns. You can buy those ones. You don't need to buy the ones you, you have right now, uh, again, or anything. You, we're going to take those back. You're going to give those to us, and then you can buy from this very strict, specific list of things. 
And this is reasonable. This is uh, valuable. This is what's supposed to happen in Canada uh, right now, according to their leader. And this inevitably is what would occur here in the United States. And so even though I don't think anyone, anyone I've ever talked to, uh, mind you, on the right or the left, pro-gun, anti-gun, has ever said that they don't care about the violence that happens in our country. They don't care about the horrible stories you see sometimes, especially uh, stories that involve children. Everyone cares about those things. But whether or not solutions to those problems involve stricter gun control uh, are debated. They're, they're not, there's not a clear example as to whether or not the bad guy wouldn't do something illegal to get a gun if he wants to hurt people, especially if he wants to hurt children. Uh, those people are not well. Those people are not sane. Those people are evil. I would say all those things about people who do those things. So I, I think those people are willing to be criminals before they commit other crimes uh, and do something illegally. Uh, but even more so, uh, once you give in a little bit, and this is what I think your uncle will tell you over the weekend uh, at your Christmas party, uh, once you give in a little bit, they just keep coming for more. And Canada keeps coming for more. Every time that we turn our 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 head and look at what's going on, what the latest of it all is, it's more of the same uh, from that country and more of the things that people here are just so very, very terrified of. Uh, anyway, I'm going to move on. I want to talk about some other stuff. It is uh, just before the holiday. So doing a long rant about any of those things is probably not as valuable as talking about some uh, sillier stuff I saw out there in the world. Although this is definitely not silly per se. <laughs> so right, I, I'm, I'm promising and I can't deliver, but let's try it. I do think this is interesting. Uh, this woman went viral on social media. Uh, the first thing she said, and this is the mistake she's making, is she uh, listens to a lot of true crime podcasts. She's all in the true crime podcast right now. She can't get out of them. She needs to start listening to the Chad Benson Show podcast and get away from them. But she's a crime junkie. And because of that, she's created for herself a If I Go Missing binder, uh, which she's very proud of. Now, granted, as she was putting up videos describing what's in the binder, uh, people were genuinely concerned about it. They're like, are you worried? Is there someone in your life that you think is going to hurt you? And she kept saying no. She's just really into the podcast and wants to uh, be safe in case uh, somehow she falls victim to something. Uh, 7.5 million people watched uh, one of these videos, at least. Uh, in, this, in the just-in-case binder, uh, she has put a piece of her hair, which she cut off live on a video, and put into the binder. Uh, she's put her fingerprints, several other forms of DNA that's just marked DNA. I don't know what's in that, but I guess there's other DNA there. Uh, she has uh, added uh, in more recent videos additional things like medical records, forensic evidence. She's actually uh, included lists of family members, loved ones that you can call and contact, and also exes uh, that are on the list, which, again, caused a lot of people to say, are you sure you're okay? She said, I'm fine. Everything's totally fine. And then finally, in the third video, she's like, I'm not sure if my uh, if my just in case thing is enough. I heard a, um, another podcast and they were they were all about the cheek swab. So she did a cheek swab, too, and put that live into her binder. Uh, so if anybody ever messes with her, I guess it's good that the forensic people have a place to start. Uh, but it's a little it's a little intense. It's sort of like if, say, you're home alone and you watch a bunch of scary movies and then all of a sudden you think, is there a monster that's in my house? And you could be a 30-something-year-old man who does radio occasionally for Chad Benson. You fill in occasionally. And you could walk through your house a little bit uh, unconvinced that monsters aren't real just in that moment, just if you've seen one too many scary things. Or at least maybe if it's not a monster, uh, that there's somebody in my house that shouldn't be there. Okay, it's me. Yeah, I was talking about me. Uh, but that I get it. It happens. Uh, but the fact that you then share it all on the social media... Everybody reacts to it, and then I guess you just have it somewhere in your house. I would love to hear her explain this to say, like, the next guy that she's dating, uh, one that he's going to have to be added to the exes list if they break up 
But two, like why that thing in the corner of her room is marked just in case I go missing binder. Uh, that's a little bit odd. That's a, that's probably like second, third, fifth, uh, never uh, as far as dates when you bring that up. A quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Podcasts are American as hot dogs, apple pie, football, and sushi. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, my goodness. No. Okay, maybe not sushi. Next time you have a craving for something sweet and tangy, download a Chad Benson Show podcast. Mm, boy. That is good. It's different because you get a little bit of saltiness. It's so good because it's sweet and salty at the same time. Get a taste on iTunes, iHeart, or Spotify and binge to your ears content. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about, as always. I think this is interesting. Well, actually, before I I get into this, I'll just say that uh, two of the big things I think a lot of Americans are hoping for uh, this Christmas are that the government gets funded somehow without us spending a ridiculous amount of money uh, to do it. Uh, and then also that the winter storm is much more, much uh, less uh, uh, horrible, uh, much uh, nicer. I can't think of the right word for it. Much calmer, uh, much uh, less scary uh, than what they're talking about it being. The bomb cyclone hopefully doesn't go off, I guess is what we're saying. We're praying for this Christmas. Other than that, I saw this story. Uh, a Biden admin um, apparently dropped about half a million dollars on artificial intelligence. Uh, the Biden administration is set to dole out $550,000 in grants to develop artificial intelligence that will automatically detect and suppress microaggressions on social media. Uh, government records, uh, government spending records indicate. As we're getting all these different uh, Twitter files out there, all the different versions of, hey, this is going on. And then you hear the FBI go, hey, that's totally normal. None of that's bad, the stuff that's going on, even though it seems like it's probably bad. As you're getting all these valuable nuggets of how exactly the government, the FBI, uh, whoever it might be, the Department of Justice uh, works with social media companies. You have this story just kind of floating out there uh, in the world that uh, the uh, amount of money we will spend on a um, computer that's going to not only detect what it thinks are microaggressions, but then also suppress them somehow. Uh, that's uh, scary. Uh, and I will say this again, because I think it's very interesting and I can't help continuing to want to talk about uh, Elon Musk and all that is going on there. Uh, So one thing that's happened over the last 24 hours now, uh, because it seems as though Elon is almost as good as uh, former President Trump used to be at finding a way to be in the news every day. Uh, But Elon put up a poll asking whether or not people should uh, whether or not people supported uh, the signing of the one point seven trillion dollar omnibus spending bill that was out there. And people overwhelmingly said no. About 70 percent of those people who responded to that poll on Elon's Twitter uh, said we would like that to not happen. Uh, so they then started sending that off to politicians. I think uh, he sent it to Chuck Schumer. He sent it to uh, Leader McConnell, everybody. He's just adding them on Twitter. And so that's when everybody came after Elon yet again. Uh, all the users, all the, um, I think, news sites, if they have a post on this at all, are saying how stupid this is, how dumb, how idiotic. Uh, to behave as though any poll you get a consensus opinion on on Twitter has any value. Uh, They were saying, oh, look at us uh, trying to turn this silly little website into something that matters. 
You know why that's ridiculous? You know why that's insanity? Why that's hypocrisy in a way that you don't often uh, detect or interact with hypocrisy? Two quick reasons, and then I'll be done with this, and we'll try to move on to something uh, more fun. Uh, the first one is that, of course, everybody was taking the other poll that Elon put up on Twitter so seriously. Should I step down as CEO? Uh, 15 million people or something voted on that one. The answer was yes, and people demand he does it. So already he's tricked them into saying that polls don't mean anything. Uh, but the second reason is that for how long have we actually treated Twitter like it does matter? People like me, people like Chad, I know I've heard him do it, uh, get on the radio and tell you that Twitter is not as important as people tell you it is. It's not really a demonstration of consensus opinion. But when businesses see reactions on Twitter, when uh, people come after you to cancel culture, certain things, uh, people react. They act as though, well, we now know what everybody in America thinks because everybody on Twitter uh, that we noticed said a thing a certain way. So this website, uh, for better or for worse, I'm definitely going to say for worse, in our society has long been treated like it is a consensus opinion, hive mind generating device uh, that so many people use, news organizations and whatnot, literally quote just random people on it. Uh, you see that all the time where you have that story and then all of a sudden there's like four Twitter accounts that are quoted for some reason, uh, even though we have no idea who they are other than they have a blue check mark. So it's, it's hypocrisy to the most ridiculous, most entertaining, most fun degree ever to seem to, to hear all these people who just recently became um, um, First Amendment advocates, recently believe in the uh, freedom of speech because some of them got banned. They're now very upset. I see all of them that are recovering their, their profiles, uh, screaming about how happy they are, fighting a good fight. And that was already entertaining. And now these people are also screaming that Twitter doesn't matter. Uh, the Twitter's not important, that the poll isn't something that has value, and I love it. Although I do hope at some point, uh, and I think this is Elon's vision, uh, that Twitter becomes a thing that really can demonstrate uh, the thoughts of, of everybody. It'd be very cool if we could all get on some platform together and tell our politicians, right, left, sideways, who cares, that we don't want them to sign something so they can't go up on stage in front of a microphone like Chuck Schumer did yesterday and say he's just doing what the American people want when he's rolling out and signing the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. It gives us more of a voice uh, against our politicians' wishes because it can't be ignored if it's utilized differently. If it's not just a couple million answers on one guy's profile, but everyone who logs in has to answer it up at the top of the page, or if they choose to answer it, I guess. I, can't, I guess we can't force that on people. I think it might be a valuable way to start actually collecting real consensus opinion and actually using social media. And I know it would get corrupted. I know people would uh, do everything they could to break it and hack it and bot the heck out of it. But still, the idea that it could be possible in some way, shape, or form, uh, uh, created by a guy or at least now uh, fixed by a guy who builds a rocket better than NASA does, it makes me happy. It makes me think that maybe there's a chance that sort of thing happens. All right, real quick, before I, I take a break here, I did really like this story a lot. Uh, a little girl was uh, playing a claw machine game. We all know those are rigged. We all know those are unfair. They dropped the thing, and they were definitely holding it. Uh, and so she climbed in to try to get a couple bears out of it and got stuck. She couldn't get back out because that door is only one way. Uh, she cried. Channel 7 News, I guess, in Australia showed up and, and recorded the whole thing because that's what they do. Uh, they were the person in the cell phone long before there was a person in a cell phone. Uh, the news is is that version of, of how they record certain stuff. Uh, but anyway... Uh, eventually she got out and she did get to keep her teddy bears. So I like that. I'm for that. I think that the little girl realized that the scam was up and she tried to hack it, but she probably didn't learn anything from this whole, whole lesson. She probably is none the wiser in her life. 
Uh, some people would say that life's unfair, just like the claw game is. So if you play and lose, it's a good and valuable lesson, unless you're a little girl who's willing to climb in and wait for parents to save you at four years old. But again, I'm on her side. I'm on Poppy's side on this one. A quick, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts independent life this is chad benson this is the chad benson show my name is craig collins filling in uh, lots of stuff to talk about and yet the uh two biggest stories of the day are the omnibus bill still not being passed and uh, vladimir Zelensky's visit to the uh, united states uh, just yesterday and some of the things that were said there before i play any additional audio i want to make something abundantly clear i almost want to use it as like a, a preface every time i talk about this topic uh, which is unfortunately going to be a lot today um, I do not want Russia to win. I want Ukraine to win. I am not pro-Russia. I am not anti-Ukraine. I'm very much in favor of uh, Ukraine prevailing. However, as I say all that, there's aspects of this uh, that matter in a way that maybe we're not talking about, at least to me. And actually, the best example I can give before I get into any of this is uh, just a simple question. Have you ever gotten a fight with a loved one, maybe even like a spouse or somebody, where at first you didn't know you were fighting? Like a while in, you had no idea there was any sort of conflict at all. Uh, you thought you were joking or you didn't even realize uh, you were talking about something negative. Uh, maybe you, you brought something up. Maybe you made a comment. I feel like uh, since I've been married as long as I have, it's definitely happened to me. I feel like it's happened to a lot of us where all of a sudden, like 45 minutes into the, the discussion, you're like, wait a minute. This is a fight. We're, we're, we're disagreeing. I had no idea. It just it builds slowly. I think the reason that happens in our everyday life is sometimes we're on a different page. Uh, maybe one of the two of us is sitting there uh, still upset about some other things that uh, Craig did the other day or whatever it is. And then eventually you get to the fight, which might not even be about the thing uh, that you started talking about to begin with. Uh, the reason I pointed out like that or the reason I mentioned it all like that to set up what I'm going to try to say about Ukraine is throughout the address that Zelensky gave to Congress. There were several moments where Congress laughed, uh, where they thought things were funny. And there was even one where I think Zelensky was purposefully making a pun uh, and might be looking for like a little bit of laughter. Uh, but there was something about the tone of all of it. And then the demeanor of the man who actually was visiting us from a war torn country, uh, looking for financial and looking for military help. It just seemed different. It seemed like people that were in different places that weren't really putting um, uh, putting themselves in each other's shoes. Uh, that's something you often say again in those fights that you have sometimes with loved ones is like, you got to feel how I'm feeling right now. You got to you got to understand it from my perspective. And I think there's ways in which the United States and Ukraine will never agree on some of these things, uh, things like taking back all of the contested territory, Crimea and whatnot, uh, um, liberating all of Ukraine from Russia, uh, even the parts that U.S. had no interest in really funding a fight for. But here, let me make some of these examples via this audio. Uh, first is uh, Zelensky's joke that he kind of intended to make, and he actually tried to make it twice, um, and he did get a little bit of laughter from this one. 
We already built strong Ukraine with strong people, strong army, strong institutions together with you. We developed strong security guarantees for our country and for entire Europe and the world together with you. And also together with you, we'll put in place everyone who will defy freedom. Put in. Oh, you got it. You said Putin uh, there. Yeah. So that was an intentional joke. And that got some applause, some laughter after the hero's welcome that started this whole thing. Now, here's other moments where people are, are laughing. And I don't necessarily consider these things jokes uh, by Vladimir Putin. So so here is the front line, the tyranny, which has no lack of cruelty against the lives of free people and your support is crucial not just to stand in such fight, but to get to the turning point to win on the battlefield. We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. We have it. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. Yeah, he's not kidding there. He's not making a joke. Yes, thank you. You've given us a lot of military equipment. You've given us a lot of artillery. Is it enough? No. It's, it's not enough. I, I need more uh, because I want to start attacking. I don't want to start defending. I want to start attacking. And I don't uh, misunderstand or like disagree with his sentiment where he's coming from. Uh, to go back to my example, to lean on it a little bit too much, if I'm Vladimir Putin, if I'm coming to the United States, if I'm defending my country, I want all the things that I just said a second ago. I want to liberate every part of it. I want to strike back. I want to uh, put the uh, dagger in the dragon that is Russia. That's what I want. But you can't do all of that on the United States um, uh, dime. You can't do all of that with the United States military. That's not something we want to sign up for, as evidenced by some of the other things that happened during this. But here, here's even another example of a moment in which uh, uh, Zelensky compares Ukraine um, and their fight against Russia to America's fight against Hitler. For this man, for, for uh, this situation, his mindset his belief is to take down russia uh more or less i don't know that they will truly try to uh invade if they actually liberated all of their country i think they would be done uh, but he wouldn't hate it if the world came against uh, russia and tried to um remove it from the planet uh that actually was demonstrated a little while back when there was that one missile uh that did not land in ukraine but landed in poland and immediately Zelensky called for world war three uh, we say often, uh, before I even play this last piece of audio, that Putin is not trying to start a World War III. Um, Biden said it yesterday. No one is really saying quite as often that Zelensky doesn't want to see a World War III because we all think it's wrong. We think that's inappropriate. He's defending his country. He's fighting for the freedom of his people. Uh, how, how dare we even uh, assume that what his desire in all of this is now forced on him by Russia and their invasion of his country uh, would be to eventually attack them. Uh, but how could it not be? I, I mean, all, in all honesty, how could it not be uh, when you're saying stuff like this? The Russians' tactic is primitive. They burn down and destroy everything they see. They send thugs to the front lines. They send convicts to the war. They threw everything against us, similar to the other tyranny, which is in the Battle of the Bulge. Through everything it had against the free world, just like the brave American soldiers which held their lines and fought back Hitler's forces during the Christmas of 1944. Brave Ukrainian soldiers are doing the same 
to Putin's forces this Christmas. Now, look, again, I don't necessarily want to say that everything that Zelensky is saying is wrong for him or for his country, because it's obviously not. And I have no position to say that. But is that desire to have that unilateral win not going to work out for the United States? Not something we want to be involved in, something that Russia uh, may continue to ramp up their rhetoric and say is is more and more a problem for them. Sure. Uh, One other piece of audio I want to play. I know this is a deep dive into this topic. Uh, it is Jesse Waters. It's something that he said yesterday on Fox News. I thought it was valuable uh, because it's the same sentiment I'm trying to provide and hopefully uh, doing a good job of providing to you on this show. It's that you stand in support of Ukraine. You want Ukraine to win. You want Ukraine to beat the bad guy, uh, to defeat the bully. Uh, but there is an interesting dynamic at play that that complicates how we go about helping them. He's never going to negotiate The guy's charming, but he's a killer. And the fact that he spoke English tells me that's not happening because he said the country wants vengeance. And you understand it because you have widows, you have mothers, you have brothers that saw their sons get hacked down by this Putin war machine. And they're not going to say, "Okay, let's cut a deal. Let's do some reparations. You keep the East. They're going to do everything they can to expel the Russians out of that territory. And then they're going to bring up some of these Russian generals on war crimes. That's what they want. So hopefully if that uh, message has worked and I've convinced you um, or anyone listening to the show that, in fact, yes, there will at some point be a moment uh, where the United States desire is at odds with Ukraine. Uh, the other thing you ask yourself is, is why? How did we get here? And how does it seem as though it appears as though uh, the person with all the cards in the room, the person with all the power in the room is the guy that just got on a plane and left to go back to his war torn country? It's because of the surrendering of power that continues to exist from Biden and not just from Biden in this situation, all situations. Those jokes about whether or not Biden is really the president, whether or not he's in charge or someone is pulling the puppet strings behind him. The reason they're so effective, the reason they work so well is it seems like it's true. How often have we seen Biden say something, our president say something in public, only to be corrected by an anonymous staffer uh, that comes from the White House? And they don't even need to put a name on it. Oh, yeah, you got a little rogue there. We got We got to pull him back in. We got to rope him back in. It's been his strategy from jump. Granted, it's also been a joke he makes often about how he surrenders power to the missus. You know, really, my wife is in charge, not me. It's a joke a lot of us guys make. Uh, but a joke that maybe some of us mean more than others do. Uh, But anyway, it just seems to be maybe even a a life strategy, a life uh, version of things, that Biden doesn't necessarily become the commander-in-chief in in most situations with anybody, uh, his personal life or his political life. And so in those situations, even a lot of the, I'll say this to back that up, if that seems like a really unfair attack, uh, even a lot of the things that go viral now of the beliefs he had in the past and how much they've changed, to be the on um, on uh, the popular opinion belief or like on the message belief now for a Democratic Party. Uh, some of them are abortion alone is a thing where Biden has profoundly changed uh, because, well, the party told them to. Uh, so now we're at this moment where we don't have a person with strength in the room uh, saying what is and isn't going to be OK. Uh, we have a person that's eventually going to probably have to say no uh, to Ukraine and how Ukraine shapes that to the world is actually something I'm tremendously worried about. Even the the people in this country, uh, when they realize that we're not continuing to give the heroes welcome in every single way they're asking for to Ukraine, I wonder how the United States even responds to that with how so many people here have kind of been uh, brought in, uh, again, to all the the valuable emotional parts of this that are important, uh, but aren't all the pieces. All right, quick break, a lot more. No more ranting on that for a while. Uh, Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. 
fear and white male privilege to me. I do often out myself verbally as a gender. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm proud to be a gender. Are you stupid? Some people get it. Some people don't. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, Lots of stuff, as always, to talk about. Chad is back after the holidays. One of the absolute most talented people I know in this industry and hardest working. Well-deserved vacation for Chad. I hope he's staying far away from everything news. Uh, That's what I do when I go on any vacation of any kind. I won't even, like, turn on a television. I'm like, no, that's not for me today. I don't know what he's up to, though. Uh, But anyway, uh, let's cover this real quick. I think it's interesting. Apparently, if you get a a gift of shoes uh, from a significant other, uh, and I think this is just boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't think this is the same if you're married. But if someone gifts you shoes this holiday season, according to the Internet, that is terrible. That's a real bad sign. It's hashtag the shoe theory. Gen Z believes in it very much. And even though a lot of them, I think, are also sneakerheads, which is a thing I totally don't understand and I'm not going to even try to get into, Uh, apparently if you give somebody shoes, odds are you're breaking up before even the new year that a little bit after Christmas, things are going downhill uh, for whatever reason. Uh, Some TikToker made this very popular, several million, about 11 million uh, views on it. And then a whole lot of other people now on social media sharing their stories about how shoes led to the end of their relationship. I wonder if it's not shoes specifically. I wonder if it's like a gift somebody doesn't want. And I know that some people want shoes very, very bad. So uh, those people Probably aren't in this group. I definitely don't want shoes. But it's, you know, it's like when you get a sweater from someone and you're like, oh, this is nice. This is just a bland uh, sweater thing. Maybe it shows a lack of effort or a lack of uh, interest in a human being uh, to just go that road. And actually, you know what? Speaking as a a married man of uh, now, actually, uh, 10 years, we just had our 10-year anniversary, I have definitely learned one thing I will never do is go buy my wife's shoes without her. That is not a move I want to make. Because there's no chance, a 0% chance. I could stare at all the shoes in her closet. I could be coached on what kind of shoes she wants. And I know I won't make the right decision. I know I'd come home and she'd be like, nope, this is a miss. This is a miss for me. It's sort of like that Saturday Night Live sketch I saw recently where they had to pin something on a man in order for him to go out to the store by himself. I'm not saying I'm that much of a child, but in the world of shoes, I am. In the world of shoes, I will definitely fail. Uh, if I am asked to do anything different. So I would never roll the dice and go rogue and turn this into a gift. Uh, But I just love the fact that so many people are like, nope, yep, that's the end. Uh, The relationship is officially over at that point. Good luck to you all. I hope things go better with the next one. Um, And I wonder now if like people are going to freak out if they get shoes because they care about that and they're wrong. The person just really cares about them and also shoes. All right, other stuff out there in the world. I thought this was interesting. Uh, There is widespread financial instability, according to a new study, a new survey, Uh, That doesn't feel like we needed to study that, but yet it's here and it's valuable, I guess. 58% of people found 2022 to be economically uh, one of the most difficult years of their life. Um, And that makes sense um, because I think, honestly, there's been a a part of all of this, not just inflation, not just all the challenges of the terrible energy decisions our president has made and how that has uh, lit another fire when there were already a bunch of fires. Uh, But I think some people... In society, I have friends, I know people who've, who've done this and are, are talking to me about it, uh, were spending in a certain way, assuming that things would recover, uh, meaning that, all right, I'm getting a little bit overextended here or there, and I shouldn't be, but it's all going to go back. It's all going to get fixed. It's all going to change. And so when that all happens and everything jumps back, 
I'll be able to get out of these little these little holes I'm putting myself in. And so what I think is so interesting about that is as things continue to not get fixed, as the government continues to not help and as the situation continues to be what it is, and now there's talk of this is a very uplifting holiday-themed uh, a conversation right here, but now there's talk of uh, more um, recession and, and layoffs and whatnot that a lot of people, I think, are trying to figure out a way around some of those poor planning decisions or those early mistakes uh, during the recovery from the pandemic. And I think the only way possible to do that is to severely cut back. Uh, I listened to some uh, financial advisors, uh, one very prominent one in the world of radio that I'm not going to name right now, but he's out there, uh, that tells you that you can't live above your means. And maybe you can blame some of it on the government if you want to. They gave me extra cash. They made me think I was flush when I wasn't. Uh, But it does seem like that might be a part of what's going on here. On 2021, uh, only 15% of people said it was difficult. 47% actually said that the year 2020 was very difficult. A lot of people were getting laid off and a lot of people were furloughed at that point. So that makes sense. Uh, But now it seems like we're hitting the real big crunch. 63% of people said that one of their biggest plans for 2023 is to make better financial decisions, better money decisions. I wholeheartedly agree. I think everybody is going to wholeheartedly agree with that, even if you're not in a a difficult situation, even if you're doing all right. I think a lot of people would like to refocus uh, more because of the cost of everything uh, than anything else. That when you're spending more and more and more on all the items that you need and some that you just want in your life, uh, you start to rethink how much you want every single one of those. Uh, 79% of people said they shared a concern about continued inflation, and 66 say that they're seeing it as a major setback for a lot of their other goals uh, in the new year. So those are things that are out there in the world. Those are things that play into Republicans' hands, much like um, I think that political party thought it would in the midterms. Didn't work out then. No red wave. I don't know how it'll impact the presidential run, but if these problems exist for another year, that could be huge. All right, got to take a break. A lot more coming up in a bit. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about, as always. Uh, One of the first things that I find very interesting, uh, as far as news goes over the last few hours, uh, Hunter Biden is lawyered up, man. Uh, Hunter Biden has found his lawyer, and he is ready for the onslaught uh, by Republicans. It says, uh, this is, I think, a a Getty story as well, or an AP story. Uh, Hunter Biden hired once high-octane lawyer, Abby Lowell. Uh, who is the new uh, Republican, uh, excuse me, to uh, contest um, the new um, charges against him, the new like uh, likely attacks on him. Uh, Lowell actually had represented President Bill Clinton and Jared Kushner, among others, has been tapped to handle the income, uh, uh, the incoming of the uh, congressional attacks is what I'm seeing here. Uh, what I like about this so much is that it's a pretty good indication uh, when you lawyer up, when you try to go high profile and all that, and you, a lot of people might say, well, if you have the means, if you have the resources, 
because all that money you made from China, uh, then go ahead and do it. It's no big deal. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but when I think you, you go a certain road as early as you're going, it might also say that you're worried, that you're afraid, that you know that the laptop story is true because, well, now everyone knows that it's true. And you wonder uh, how much information will actually uh, come out and how potentially damaging it could be for you or how much trouble you get in. Uh, so it's interesting that that's just a story out there right in time for the holiday season, too. Uh, maybe it'll uh, skate under, not be covered a lot as far as uh, other things go, uh, because, well, everyone's distracted by Christmas. Uh, also, the first day of the misconduct trial in the Kerry Lake election challenge uh, suit ended with what a lot of people were reporting as no evidence of misconduct. I know there's some stuff that's being shared on social media about people uh, admitting um, potentially uh, although I think that that might be a little bit still misconstrued. I don't know if there's any real proof yet. Uh, potentially, there were things that that occurred uh, that might not be completely on the up and up as far as um, transporting ballots and whatnot. Uh, but I think a lot more proof is going to have to come forward um, other than what I think a lot of people call hearsay uh, in order to get us to a point where you get valuable evidence of what Carrie Lake is saying happened. Uh, granted, the only reason this trial exists at all, in my opinion, is not because Carrie Lake wouldn't have probably done it anyway. Uh, I think that with the way that she was talking on the campaign trail, and I'm not anti-Carrie Lake, by the way. I know that a lot of people hated her. There were a lot of things she said that I liked. Uh, there were things she said that I probably wouldn't have said if I was running for office, uh, but there's stuff she said that I liked, so I, I'm not uh, 100% or even all that against her and her attempt to, to get clarity as to whether or not the election was on the up and up. I think it's a good thing. I think I've said that before on this show, uh, that even if everything in court proves out to be uh, done uh, to the letter of the law, it's good that challenges like this actually make it to courtrooms and don't get dismissed beforehand. Not just because, say, the legal system sometimes uh, doesn't agree with uh, the seriousness of a case um, and they throw it out when the American people do. I think a lot of people care. I think a lot of people have genuine concern and interest. Uh, maybe it's not in Kerry Lake specifically if you don't live there. Uh, but in the idea of election fraud. And so uh, this is a high-profile way to make some of those claims and see what happens. Uh, but uh, the first day, as I said, according to many, uh, ended without the official um, smoking gun thing. Uh, so we'll see how much more comes from that and if inevitably uh, it is the thing that people actually expect it to be, uh, which I would say would be that nothing bad actually happened or the opposite. Because, uh, again, what I meant to say a second ago is that she probably would have uh, sued no matter what uh, but because of some of those failures in Maricopa County with printers and whatnot, uh, she actually got in a courtroom. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where that goes. All right. There's this, too. Uh, Ron Johnson was reacting on, I think this was uh, Larry Kudlow's show on Fox, to the arrogance of Republican leadership in the Senate, who seem very far apart with both the, both, uh, the minority leader and um, members of the Republican Party in the House on the omnibus bill. Uh, McConnell did go out and praise it. Uh, when he first started talking about it. And that's something that got uh, pretty viciously attacked by other Republicans. Uh, there is definitely a opposing viewpoints, a version of things going on within that party. Well, again, uh, Mr. McCarthy's uh, uh, public statements has been he's been opposed to this omnibus. He wanted to respect the voters' wishes and have the House Republicans have a shot at making this more fiscally responsible. Uh, he didn't change that stance in our in our lunch. Uh, I think it's arrogant on the part of uh, Senate leadership, Republican leadership, as well as those voting for this, to think they know better than uh, uh, f hopefully Speaker Future McCarthy. Uh, he was asking to 
you know, have confidence in the House members. I'd much rather have House confidence or confidence in House members on this spending bill than pass <laughs> this thing. But it doesn't look it's, like that's what's. It's very interesting to hear Senator Ron Johnson say that, you know what, I'd rather have some members of our party in the House uh, take up parts of this, converse about this and get back to us on this. And it is arrogant. Uh, much like it's also arrogant to hear someone uh, like a Chuck Schumer tell us in a microphone that they're trying to pass the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill with a ridiculous amount of funding for things like museums and trails and whatnot for us. That's for us, the American people. Uh, they're doing it for us. Now, I want to play one other thing. Um, this is uh, former President Trump. Uh, he put out a two-minute, I'm not going to play all of it, uh, campaign message. And here's why I think that Trump might be a more valuable to the Republican side of the aisle, political player uh, than some think. I do still think DeSantis is the heir apparent. He's probably uh, the voice that more of the in the middle Republicans I would like to hear from um, than any of the um, very strong Trump supporter Republicans that exist out there. Uh, but what I think is interesting about this is so many of the conversations, so many of the challenges of right now fall into Trump's lap. They fall into his hands as far as things he's talked about, he's run on before. And I think American people might even uh, be, some of them begrudgingly, willing to say, you know, he did a good job in those places. Uh, the border is one of those things. And the border is the thing he's talking about here in this audio, but also uh, the economy, uh, our financial well-being over the years that he was in office compared to the years he has not uh, been in office. There are some easy wins, both for the Republican Party as a whole and for this unique politician individual. Uh, so I'm not sure if they will be wins that he'll utilize correctly, uh, but it's definitely interesting that at least topic-wise, some of this is stacking up to still benefit him, to still leave him with a, a avenue to, say, be an important political player, of course, uh, as he's running for office. More illegal immigrants have entered the United States in the last two years than at any time in American history and by a massive margin, we've never seen anything like it. Our country is under invasion. Days ago, 16,000 illegal aliens were encountered crossing the border in a single 48-hour period. A colossal migrant caravan recently poured across the Rio Grande and into the streets of El Paso, Texas, and the people and the police didn't know what to do about it. It is truly a massive invasion. Any form of amnesty now would be a catastrophe. It rewards Joe Biden's lawlessness and it rewards the criminal cartels and it rewards everyone who has broken the laws of our nation. Yeah, I think it's an interesting take. I mean, I know that some people probably already, um, depending on how you feel about Trump, either have a positive reaction or a negative reaction just to hear him and the way he talks about this sort of thing. Um, but it's an interesting take to um, essentially uh, point to the ways in which the decisions we make now uh, with the amount of people that are just kind of crossing the border uh, all the time. Uh, a bunch of reporting, I think even MSNBC had some that said they're really just walking across without any interaction at all. Um, and what we do in order to say either encourage or deter the continuing of this behavior beyond just Title 42, uh, which I guess is one of the holdups to the uh, $1.7 trillion omnibus bill in the first place. Uh, but beyond uh, that situation and that argument and the obvious uh, ridiculous explosion of additional uh, crossings at the border if it goes away, I think there has to be a valuable reaction uh, to what's occurring so far. And even the Democratic mayor, I've been saying this for a couple days now, 
uh, in El Paso finally decided to declare uh, a state of emergency there. Uh, that indicates that they, they can't do anything, that e even Texas is uh, kind of putting their hands up in the air and saying, we don't know what to do. Uh, we need a better solution here. I know some have called for Abbott to be uh, stronger, to put more um, of his uh, National Guard at the border. I know that that's some of what uh, they're looking for. I don't think that that's a, a, a long-term solution, though. I think the federal government has to be involved in solving this issue once and for all. And I do think, whether you love him or hate him, uh, that Trump has a position uh, that people will hear uh, more and more as it becomes more and more apparent uh, just how bad things are at the border to more Americans, which I think will also occur uh, as these get as these stories get wildly out of control. I mean, there were stories about migrants getting hit with cars after they crossed the border uh, just because they're coming across the border at random places and people who are driving don't see them in the dead of the night. Uh, so those are stories that I think news can't ignore. Uh, but we'll see. A quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Me too. Hashtag immigration reforms. Hashtag help. I'm trapped in a hashtag factory and I can't get out. The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Let's do something fun. Let's do something that's not some of the stuff we've been talking about today. I don't know why all the heavy news seems to hit right at the same time as the fun stuff. But uh, there's a list. It's on mentalfloss.com of interesting, surprising uh, Christmas movie facts, stuff that maybe a lot of people wouldn't know. I do like a lot of the ones on here. Uh, the first one actually is one I wasn't aware of. It's that A Wonderful Life was a uh, box office bomb. I feel like people have told me that before. I've just ignored it because I like that movie a lot. It's one of my favorites to watch during the Christmas season. But maybe that's why. It's just something that's gone in one ear and out the other. Uh, but that's an actual fact. A Charlie Brown Christmas was supposed to have a laugh track. Uh, maybe that's why at times, even though it's an adorable movie, uh, at times it feels like, wait a minute, it's a little off. There's something that's uh, off about this. Uh, it's supposed to be uh, a little funnier, I guess, or it's supposed to have that little additional audio ad. Uh, over the years, people might not notice, but a Christmas story, the uh, father in that movie, Ralphie's dad, uh, is never given a name. Um, Ralphie's dad is given a name in um, at least, I guess, one scene pointed out by fans, Hal, it said, but they believe that's because in the brief exchange between the two, um, I guess, uh, darn Hal, you say you won't, uh, you, uh, you say you won't, um, excuse me, uh, that situation, that interaction to some other fans is not actually part of the original film uh, or the original screenplay, I guess. So now understanding this better, uh, sorry about the uh, a flub there, I guess uh, even though you hear it in the movie, it's not in the script, so it's not, it's not real, according to some fans, uh, but Ralphie's dad does not have a name. Uh, some other facts that are out there in the world. Uh, that one's not much of a fact. Uh, Bill Murray improvised a lot of his lines in Scrooged, an underrated uh, but great uh, Christmas movie. Uh, another thing, Bill Murray was actually the first choice to play the lead in Bad Santa, even though that obviously originally or eventually went to Billy Bob Thornton. How funny would that movie have been? I mean, I know Bad Santa's already good. A lot of people who like that uh, sort of thing, uh, myself included, uh, definitely enjoy the movie. Uh, but Bill Murray would have been something else. Um, other things interesting as far as uh, Christmas movie facts. Jim Carrey was an initially supposed to be the lead in Elf, uh, a role that eventually went to Will Ferrell, who I think uh, did a great job. I can't imagine Jim Carrey's over-the-top version of that being a thing. 
How the Grinch Stole Christmas almost never happened. Uh, that almost was never created as a movie at all. And actually, even the Grinch's color, apparently, uh, in that movie, so, can, since in the uh, book itself or the, uh, the story, it's uh, black and white, uh, the drawing. Uh, but I guess the turning of the Grinch green was because someone rented a car they didn't like, and the renter car was an ugly shade of green. Uh, the puppets from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer were rediscovered in 2006. Uh, they were on an episode of the Antiques Roadshow, uh, which is awesome as far as other stuff there uh, goes. At one point, the FBI really didn't like It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, that's a true story, too. They thought that it was propping up certain things. So in 1947, they issued a memo about it and uh, warned people about It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Christmas story, story got all of its science correct. Uh, Mythbusters did an episode a while back where they tried to test the science of the film and realized they couldn't compete with any of it. Uh, Will Ferrell refused to make a sequel to Elf. I think that's something that's continued to be reported on uh, just because he doesn't think it'll be as good. Although I wonder if that changed this year. I feel like that might have changed somewhat recently, uh, but it's not listed here. A Charlie Brown Christmas destroyed the aluminum tree business. Uh, This is one of my favorite ones. Uh, You wouldn't think that Charlie Brown would go after anything, a purpose or accidental, but in 1958, I guess, the market for aluminum trees was going okay, and then Charlie Brown Christmas pretty much treated an aluminum tree like it was the devil, and then nobody started buying them. I wonder what meetings uh, that industry had when they were like, how do we combat this Charlie Brown problem? It's gotten bad, and it's only getting worse. Uh, Other things out there that I kind of like about it, uh, when um, the characters in trains, planes, and automobiles uh, first, I guess, uh, think about uh, getting on a train together, they didn't know that the camera was rolling, so they were just kind of talking through the scene themselves, both actors, uh, John Candy and uh, Steve Martin, and they used part of that in the film. So I think that's pretty cool. A couple other ones on here is in real life. Uh, Harry and Marv may not have survived Kevin's attacks in Home Alone. I don't know if this was another episode of Mythbusters, but people have looked into a variety of the injuries uh, likely for those guys to sustain, and they would have been bad. Uh, So those are pretty funny things that are out there in the world as far as facts about your Christmas movies go. And then there's also this. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Twitter had a lot of layoffs. A lot of people are talking about Twitter for other reasons. Uh, But one thing that I guess is not as, as out there in the world as it should be is the stuff that's up for auction right now, the stuff that people in Twitter had, Uh, like a six-foot-tall planter in the shape of an at symbol uh, that is now available. Someone can purchase. Uh, I think that probably you're going to have to replace all the plants in there. Uh, But you can get that if you want. Put it up somewhere in your house and have a weird message to people. It's it's way too big, I think, for most of us to ever want or anyone to want it all. I don't know. Someone's going to go for it. A uh, high-performance task chair uh, that is described as something that you can do extreme coding in. Uh, It's extremely hardcore, according to part of the other uh, description of it. Um, I think it just looks like a chair. Uh, there were a bunch of keg raiders, I guess, at Twitter. Uh, that makes sense. Any social media company or any uh, Silicon Valley company has a party atmosphere uh, aspect to it. So I, I understand how a lot of companies, that one included, uh, probably had a lot of parties just within the office itself when they worked there uh, before they were all sent home. And then Elon made them come back. And then finally, this is my favorite one, the last one. Uh, There is a rotisserie oven with 24 spits on it where someone could cook 24 whole chickens. That was inside of the Twitter uh, offices for some reason. It pairs perfectly with a 20-gallon vegetable dryer uh, that I guess is also out there and available on the Internet. But what human being, like, brought that into the office the first time? 
I would like to envision that it wasn't someone who was actually like cooking for the whole office. Like there was some guy who was like, yeah, man, I don't know. I just want to get my chickens going. So I got 24 on the roaster. Uh, they'll be available sometime after lunch. I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, that's a ridiculous thing. I don't even know what that's going to go for. And I do wonder who, who buys that if it's not like a restaurant, um, because it sounds amazing, but it also, like, I could envision myself actually coming home with something like that from an auction. I've never had the privilege of going to an auction, but in the moment, I could be convinced to buy pretty much anything. And when someone talked about the capabilities of a 24-spit rotisserie oven, I'd be like, that's what we need. And then you show up, and the, the missus is looking at you, and you had to like rent the U-Haul to get it home, and she says you can never go to an auction again. That is the kind of thing, the sort of ridiculous, over-the-top uh, thing that I would buy, and all the practical stuff that she probably sent me to get, uh, much like when I go to the grocery store uh, by myself is stuff that is very unlikely to come home with us. Uh, so maybe I'm making fun of this a lot, and at the end of the day, I would actually uh, go ahead and be uh, the owner of a sweet, sweet 24-spit rotisserie oven. All right, i got to take a break. A lot more coming up. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts independent life this is chad benson this is the chad benson show my name is craig collins filling in thrilled to be with you lots and lots of stuff to talk about i do want to continue to cover uh this conversation with this um reporter that popped up during the uh first part of the press conference between president biden and vladimir Zelensky. uh what's interesting about every part of not just this uh reporter in this conversation uh but the entire visit itself the the moments where um, I think Zelensky is received uh, by a lot of people in, say, Congress as uh, a hero, which I'm not necessarily saying is, is bad, uh, but it certainly creates this expectation, I would assume, more so uh, with Ukraine and with uh, Zelensky, uh, that we're going to do all the things they're asking us to do, including, uh, say, this, uh, where this reporter is asking, can we just cut to the chase? Can we just end this conversation now? Uh, can we just get to the end where you give us all the things we need to fully win the war against Russia, which goes well beyond defending your country and into taking over some of those contested areas, including Crimea, that was annexed uh, back in 2014. Um, and now Ukraine desperately needs more capabilities, including long-range missiles uh, attackers. Maybe I sound naive, but can we make a long story short and give Ukraine all capabilities it needs and... Uh, liberate all territories rather sooner than later. Thank you. His answer is yes. <laughs> awkward. Get real awkward. I agree. Biden went on to say that we've already offered a lot of support uh, to, the, uh, to Ukraine so far, and he wasn't going to negotiate those little pieces. 
uh, that we're still coming up with the reporter. I'm going to bring in a buddy of mine, uh, a radio friend, uh, Brian Noonan, to help me digest this stuff. Because, darn it, I've talked about it already. Uh, let's get Noonan's take on it. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Craig. Good to be here. Now, thrilled to be on I with am, you. So, uh, Go ahead. I've been trying to digest this, too, and figure out was, was the president answering in Zelensky's voice? Was he putting words in Zelensky's mouth? It, it was it was awkward. The right. The answer remains the same, which is okay. Fine, we're going to do everything we can. But who was answering that question? Was it the president, <laughs> or was it the president as Zelensky? Was he doing yeah. cosplay? I'm not sure what was going on. Well, here's the challenge, and here's what I've been talking about before. Um, and I'm sure uh, you have your own uh, unique, um, you know, opinion on this. Uh, from I don't know when exactly, but early on in the push back by Ukraine, where they were starting to win back parts of the areas that Russia had invaded, uh, there was this concern, this worry, this conversation in some, say, military circles that Ukraine, and with every right to desire this, if you're the Ukrainian people or if you're the president of that country, it makes sense to want this, would push further. They'd push into those long-contested areas in the east. They'd push all the way to Crimea if they could and try to take back something that was annexed from them in 2014 by Russia. And when you heard Zelensky talk, when you watched some of these interactions and what that question is really at and the last part of it, the taking back all of those areas, it's getting to whether or not the United States is willing to fund a different conflict, uh, a different conflict than helping Ukraine defend what was being invaded at the start of this. Well, I agree, but Crimea, you know, for them to want to take back Crimea, I agree with what you said. That's that's a natural thing. You've got to, you, at some point, we have to look at this and go, all right, are we trying to stop Russian aggression into Ukraine right. and potentially other allies? Or, you know, at some point, yeah, if you want to keep going, you do it that's on your own. That's got to be on but you. Right. Said, Zelensky said just peace is not enough. So what does that mean? Does it mean... Yeah, I know completely taking everything back to him yes to the ukrainian people yes to us that is that is the question and i would say at some point once russia turns back which it, it looks like they're going to you know it, putin could stretch this out for years you know just sure. to save face but they're not they're not making the inroads like they were and i think the more long range defense stuff that we give ukraine the easier it is to keep russia at bay and push them back no, I agree with and all that. And I, start, I, we can, right, but then we start pulling back and we go, okay, now if you want to keep going, you know. Right. Well, I don't we, know. It seemed like a lot of the expectation and even that, that question from the reporter is that, and right now, for some reason, with the way that this went, with the way that Congress uh, greeted Zelensky as uh, a hero, and I'm not saying that he's not. I'm not saying that his fight against Ukraine or against Russia isn't valuable, and that I, in any way, shape, or form, want anything other than a than a victory in Ukraine. But there were aspects of this that made me feel like the guy with the most power in the room wasn't the guy in charge of our country. I want to play a little audio from Jesse Waters too, uh, kind of saying the same sent sentiment we're both saying on Fox News that it makes sense what they want, uh, and he's going to say some things that are more negative about Zelensky uh, than some people are willing to say or some people obviously would also agree with. Um, but there is going to become that push-pull moment, and I don't think the United States has positioned itself well to look good when we inevitably say no, but here we go. Zelensky's never going to surrender, and he's never going to negotiate. The guy's charming, but he's a killer. And the fact that he spoke English tells me that's not happening because he said the country wants vengeance. 
And you understand it because you have widows, you have mothers, you have brothers that saw their sons get hacked down by this Putin war machine. And they're not going to say, OK, let's cut a deal. Let's do some reparations. You keep the East. They're going to do everything they can to expel the Russians out of that territory. And then they're going to bring up some of these Russian generals on war crimes. That's what they want. Yeah, I agree with that, uh, Noonan. And I think that inevitably yeah. there's there's going to be that moment that comes where uh, Zelensky is not going to be as happy with the answers he's getting from the United States as he was during this trip or the Christmas card he got with a giant check in it. Of course not. And there's always that. There's always an end. Nobody's happy when you finally say, OK, we're we're our support is done. We've helped you with what we promised we would help you with. We can't help you anymore. It's tough love. That's the way it goes. I I have to take issue with I have to take issue with our Fox News friend for, you know, making a big deal that he spoke English. Of course, he spoke English. Why wouldn't he speak English to the U.S. Congress? You know, because if he hadn't spoken English, there would have been, well, why didn't he speak? To, you know, he could speak English. Why didn't he speak English? But that's a separate story. I think sure. once it gets to the point where we're going for, re you know, if you don't want reparations, if you don't want to settle yeah. for giving, then giving that's on you. back to East, sure. then that is on you. That, yeah. That's the way I, it goes. And are we going to look? Is it going to be tough? Yes. Yeah. For, for I would say that I don't, I don't like think. Back off? Yeah, I would say that I don't think a lot of Americans are talking about that part. I don't think that that's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds right now, um, whether you're pro or con, any of this, the amount of money and the spending and whatnot, and just, of course, also defending uh, a country that is being attacked by someone that we certainly not, uh, we are certainly not fans of here. Uh, Putin seems to be pure evil. So there's a lot of aspects going into this, and I know that it's probably something. But I, I would like to talk, to talk about the thing you brought up, too, uh, the thing about speaking in English. I don't know that uh, Vladimir Zelensky is is fluent in the way that he'd feel super comfortable uh, speaking in English. So he seemed very prepared, uh, which makes sense to me again. Yeah. But I think what Jesse Waters might be trying to get at is that uh, from jump, they knew this trip. Uh, it really mattered that maybe Zelensky could have been, uh, say, more charismatic if he spoke in his own language with a translator uh, for people that are watching all over the world but that this trip was designed to be for the United States uh, entirely more so than maybe other moments yes. where we've seen Zelensky in other places. This trip was especially targeted for the U.S. Congress to get more aid. There's, right. there's no other way about it. Yes, he was prepared. I wouldn't want him to come in and wing it. I wouldn't want uh, the president to go to another country and wing it. God forbid. Sure. But. Yeah. So, so all of that, all of that makes sense. You're playing to your audience. This is a guy who was an entertainer before. He knows how to play to his audience, from yes. speaking English to not wear to wearing his, you know, war uniform of his shirt and his combat pants and his boots. He didn't come in in a suit. You know, the whole secrecy of getting him out of Ukraine to come here for this. There was one reason to come. It was to hit up the Congress for money. He did it speaking to them in their own tongue. That's it. And I, I do I do definitely agree with you because there was one other moment. I don't know if you saw this. It was uh, kind of painfully uh, funny, if that's what the right term is for it, uh, where President Biden tried to explain to Zelensky that he was Time Magazine's Person of the Year in the United States, and then he tried to describe what the Person of the Year was here. Zelensky did not care. That was a moment where a guy yeah. who just got on a plane and flew from a country at war was like, that. I don't, I don't want a copy. I don't care about this. We can move on to other things. That was certainly a moment of, uh, is this really important enough to waste some time? 
Yeah, that's, you know, it's like, hey, this is a big deal. Well, not really. My house just got blown up. Uh, that's right, a yeah, big deal. Really, yeah. My, yeah, I have, you know, I have other things. My cousin yeah. Glegg is gone. That, that, mm-hmm. That's my priority right now. You know, keeping Russia out of my country is the priority. Yes. Uh, I don't care if I made Tiger B Magazine's cover as Dream Boy of the Decade. <laughs> Yeah, no, not going to be important right now. Maybe at some point down the road. I want to do one other thing quickly for you. Shifting gears hard uh, to something way more fun, actually, something that I like a lot. uh, And then we'll take a break here. Uh, Have you seen this viral letter that a child wrote? Well, letters, actually, I should say, back and forth with Santa Claus. No. So this kid's name is right to Santa Claus. Well, you're, we'll see. Uh, so this kid's name is Jeremy. I guess this probably was a letter that he wrote last year, although people found it on Facebook and it's gone viral. Uh, the first letter from last year says, Dear Santa, I am writing this the day after Xmas, and I am very sad I only received one of the two presents I asked for. Since you ate my cookies, I will assume that uh, my missing gift <laughs> was a mistake. Um, and then he actually put a little extra in there. He goes, I'll give you one week to fix the situation. Jeremy. It didn't say love Jeremy. It didn't say, it just said fix it. Um, Santa went back and forth with Jeremy. Santa sent letters that said things like, I'm disappointed in you. Uh, the presents you asked for were expensive. Santa could only provide one and not both. You should be grateful. Uh, Jeremy fired back, though. Again, I'll give you one more. Dear Fatty, sure. your threats don't scare me. I played your game and you did not deliver. This is not okay. I will give you one week and then you will pay. Jeremy. He even put a PS on that second letter. I do not know why that is expensive for you since you have elf slaves. Uh, elf slaves would put you on the naughty list, more or less. How do you react to this? First of all, is there anybody on the planet who believes that a child wrote these letters? <laughs> Anyone? Is there? Is, I don't know. Is, is, this is some uh, thirsty millennial who wants to go viral <laughs> and is pretending to have spawned an evil, ungrateful drug rat. And is now going, look at my evil child. When the only evil child he has is his Han Solo doll collection that's up on the walls of his mom's basement. This is this has absolutely nothing to do. Now, I raised a child who, okay. you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes may have been a little ungrateful. Uh, first of all, she never used some of the language in the first. Uh, I would assume that you're that, no. Kids are like, why didn't I get this? That's that's the extent of a child's disappointment. But yes. I wanted this. But also, ninety. I'm going to go ninety nine point nine percent, Craig. I'm going to leave that one tenth of a percent <laughs> outlier for a real piece of garbage child. But All the right. rest of the kids, once they start unwrapping stuff, they don't even remember what they asked for. Ninety percent of the time, they don't remember what they put in their letter because their parents are going. You got to write that letter to Santa. You're, I don't know what I want. You just put something <laughs> down. It's like the sure. Christmas story where Ralphie gets to the chair and he, he completely forgets that he wants the BB gun and he just says football. You know, yes. the pressure on, of Christmas is too much for these children. So, right. no, this is, this is, I'm going to say it and I can't believe it. And you can punch me in the throat next time you see me for saying it. It's fake news. <laughs> I will not punch you in the throat for saying that, man. It's totally fine. Uh, There was one more exchange back and forth, uh, where to believe, and now Noonan has said this is all a lie, uh, that Santa wrote him a second time, said he informed the parents that uh, Jeremy was being naughty, told them to take the Wii U away that he had gotten as a gift. And so Jeremy's last letter, if we're to believe it's a child, said, Dear Santa, I do not like the stunt you pulled with my parents. You're on my naughty list now. I feel like this is the start to like a, a crazy horror movie. 
Uh, be afraid. You look yeah. slow and easy to kill. Enjoy your cookies next year because they're going to be poisoned. I hope you die. Jeremy, that was letter three. Again, if it's actually coming from a child, Noonan not convinced. No, it may be coming from someone named Jeremy, but he's a 35-year-old incel who's just so upset <laughs> that he didn't get his blow-up love co- uh, companion <laughs> that he now, uh, you know, he's going to take yeah. it out on Santa. Right, yeah. His, his Amazon review of the product didn't feel strong enough, so he had to make this whole story. I got it. I get what you're saying. Uh, quick I break. Wish, a lot. There's, not oh, a, go ahead. there's not a kid. Uh, no kid is going to threaten Santa with that. I'm gonna, <laughs> no, 100%. I would no. not think so. Fake. Yeah, I, I would not think so. All right, fair enough. Uh, a quick break. A lot more. Uh, this is Craig Collins filling in with my buddy Brian Noonan on the Chad Benson Show. The Chad Benson Show, where independent a la carte thinkers have a seat at the table and a voice in the dialogue. I'll have what she's having. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. I asked a radio buddy of mine to hang out for the holidays, you know, in the spirit of Christmas. So Brian Noonan is with me as well. Uh, The Brian Noonan Show on Facebook, on Twitter, on all the places, right? All the places, rallies may vary as the podcast. You can, yeah, I'm I'm accessible as much as I don't want to be. I'm accessible. <laughs> You're out there. Uh, let me ask you this: Are you jealous, or were you jealous of your uh, kid's childhood when you got to watch your child, your daughter, uh, grow up? Was there any moment where, you're like, man, some of that stuff's pretty good? Just the advancement of toys and electronics. You yeah, know, I remember the big. Oh man, the big present for us was Lincoln Logs. I'm like, it, 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 come on. That was so <laughs> mundane. But we were like, oh, man, a big tube of Lincoln Logs. I could build a house or a fort. Yeah. Then, you know, you know, just watching over her years to go from real simple video stuff to high-tech video stuff to phones and all that, uh, that's the only thing. Just the technology made me a little jealous. But, uh, you know. Uh, a lot of parents agree with you. A lot of parents yeah, a lot of parents said that they're jealous of parts of their childhood. One thing I thought was interesting, we only got about 30 seconds till we got a break, uh, but some people said that the biggest thing they were jealous of is how easy it is to make friends as a kid compared to an adult. They don't put us all in like a room and make us stay there, I guess, for eight years or however long you go to high school, grade school, whatever it might be, and make all your friends that way. Uh, in adulthood, it's much more challenging. First, I love that you don't know how long people go to school. Secondly, uh, <laughs> I do know. Hard- I, I meant which level? You're like, I don't know. What do you know? Eight years, 17 Nine, years? Nine, if you, you know, got, if you got kindergarten? Years, I don't know. Some, some amount. <laughs> All right, hold on. Hey, save it. Save, I'm not sure. <laughs> save the rest of the take. we got to save it. We'll be back in a bit. Craig Collins filling in. Brian Noonan hanging out with me on the Chad Benson Show. Show. 
independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. I got a buddy of mine connected as well, Brian Noonan, a radio guy. How you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Good to be with everybody this morning. Uh, let me just talk to you about the holiday a little bit, because I feel like the news is so heavy. There's so many crazy things out there, although you're in Chicago and we are having having a um, is it a bomb cyclone. What's happening? Did you see what the actual term for this? Uh, I weather think all thing cyclones is? are the bomb. If I can uh, <laughs> get oh, any. Yeah. yeah, it's totally fine. So, yeah, it's supposed to be. It, it's coming. They've been predicting this uh, for days now. I know it, reports came out this morning in Denver. Temperatures dropped 40 degrees in an hour. This is uh, this is cold of biblical proportions. If I can get hyperbolic sure. for just a minute. Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah. I know my friends in New Orleans, they're they're warning them to pick all their fruit and everything off the trees before yeah. tonight because everything's going to die. So, uh, so yeah, but then I, I did something, and everybody in the Midwest can thank me. I did something that is going to ensure that the snowfall is not quite as bad as was originally predicted because the other day they were saying we were in Chicago, uh, there was a possibility we were going to get anywhere between 10 and 16 inches of snow. Yep. So I did what a lot of people did. I went out and I bought myself a new snowblower. And then the minute, and I'm not exaggerating, the minute I got home with my new snowblower, the news came on and they went, oh, we're down to like uh, four to eight inches. I'm like, oh, <laughs> see, I've already cut it in half. This All is right. good. Hold on. I'm glad we're talking about this actually a lot because my mother gave me a snowblower last time I visited her. Uh, and I have Beautiful. not used it yet. I actually didn't have a snowblower at all uh, the first year in my house, which was last year. I was snowblower free, and it was not fun. Here's the thing, though. I'm pretty sure my mom gave me a very old snowblower that we're not sure if it works. To, like, I, I'm, I'm certain because it doesn't look right. It doesn't seem like one that's been made anytime uh, recently. Uh, it seems like some of the pieces might be broken. So I was somewhat excited. <laughs> this sounds bad uh, being in the Midwest as well that I would get to try it because I'm fairly convinced it does not work and then I can get it out of my garage. All right, can I give you a piece of homeowner, uh, this is a homeowner life hack. Sure. You should have already been out there testing your new snowblower. <laughs> Without you snow, should, there's that, no snow. That's I No, 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 you start it up, you make sure that the uh, everything moves, you make sure that the big, the mm -hmm. auger is flipping around yeah. that will throw the snow. You do the whole thing. You get it gassed up, you get it uh, plugged in, whatever you got to do. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you, this is not something you wait till the snow to start it for the first time. I, I wouldn't know if it was, if it was blowing snow though. I feel like that's a valuable component to the snowblower. If, if the, if the blades are rotating, it's going to throw the snow. <laughs> All right. All right. That's, oh, I forgot about that, too. I'm not a mechanic. I'm yeah. not an engineer. But I know that if the blades or the augers are rotating, yeah. that's going to chomp up and toss out. Yeah. See, I forgot about that, too. You're very adamant about the snow thrower, snow blower uh, names used correctly thing. I forgot that that was a big thing I for you. I bought a blower okay. because it's much smaller. I, I had you. a thrower back in the day, <laughs> a monster. I don't care. A I, giant orange metallic right. beast. To me, they're the same thing. They both move snow from one direction to the other, and I, I guess I call that blowing snow. Uh, much like what it does when it just bounces all I guess that's going to be a big part of the problem of the bomb cyclone in places that don't see a lot of snowfall is that it might be because of how cold the temperatures are going to get so quickly throughout the country, a lot of like flying around blowing snow situation too. I am enjoying this conversation because we are two 90-year-old guys sitting <laughs> at a White Castle drinking coffee. 
We are now. We have now, de- no, we we have have. evolved into the. But right, you fine. know what? It's affecting the whole country. So right. it's not like just our little area. Everybody is being affected by this. Right. The people on the East Coast are starting to panic. Everybody in you know the West. It's coming. It's coming like a, an alien invasion. Yes. It's just coming across. And we're going to get it in fine. the Midwest, then the South, everybody. Huh? I, I appreciate it. We'll get back on, on target. We'll get back on uh, topic. No I, no, I love talking about the weather. <laughs> I've become that guy. I told my wife this morning, shh, the weather forecaster was on. I had to hear what was happening. I'm like, shh, hold on. Do you I, argue with I it? I got to hear what Tracy has to say. Do you think you know better? Do you ever like say, I don't think so. I'm not seeing that in the forecast when I look. No, no, no. I'm not. Uh, I don't have the weather. Uh, the weather center set up here at the house. Okay. It's, uh, I don't have. I wish I did. I wish I had a couple radars that I could yeah. track things, and I'd have fronts, and I'd have uh, slow moving fronts, and uh, Arctic dips. I'd have all those <laughs> things. Right now, I don't. All right. Uh, two quick stories out there in the news uh, for anyone that wants us to move on from the uh, weather conversation. I don't know if that's everybody. Uh, first, no. I'm uh, sure that I'm sure there's a lot of guys like <laughs> these two are right on the money. First, I guess there is a deal in place now to get past any. Of the problems, I think Title 42 is one of the biggest sticking points uh, to fund the uh, government through the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Uh, Schumer actually worked uh, with Cinema, someone who recently just left the Democratic Party, as some people that came together on this, the Independent. Uh, what I think is most interesting about all of this, and something I've been talking about a bit, is the ridiculousness of the situation itself. Even if you're for the bill or you're against the bill or you like some of the funding but not all of the funding, is that at the end of the day, politicians were expected or probably not expected to read this in 24 hours. And it was over 4000 pages, 4,005, uh, 4,155. Like that's got to change. We got to be able to fix that part of the system so people have the time to read the thing that they then signed their name to. Right. Yeah, I think uh, if I if I think back to my days in high school, we had a little thing I like to call Cliff's Notes. And uh, <laughs> that's what, sure, you put out the whole bill. Right. But in 24 hours, I'm lucky I can read four pages, not 4,000 pages. <laughs> so give yeah. me the Cliff Notes. Yeah. Just uh, give me all the highlights. And don't leave out any highlights. No. Give me, make it like a 100-page Cliff's Notes. That... <laughs> I don't need all the minutia. I, I need see, the big picture. All right, that's not enough for me. I want all the minutia because I feel like that's you where they hide the, the stuff. Minutia? They hide the stuff in the minutia, man. That's where all that's the stuff true. goes they don't want you to see. That's that's actually, it's very similar to when my wife makes me a smoothie. Uh, she says it's only going to have a couple ingredients in it. But when I sip it, I know there's other very healthy ingredients in there that I was not told about. My wife has good intentions. I don't think our politicians do when they hide no, the stuff. No, they don't. Yeah, no. You know, they're not just putting chocolate chips and taffy in your smoothie. <laughs> they're putting, you know, right. billions of dollars of pork. And you don't want pork in a smoothie. No. That's disgusting. I just like pork. So, all right. So what are, you, what are you saying? That we can't vote on anything unless we get it a month ahead of time? Yes. I think several months okay. ahead of time might be nice. I think Several months. Yeah. Wow. You got some remedial readers. Okay. <laughs> I get you. Well, if it's 4,000 pages and people want to dissect it, I don't know. Uh, and they had, by the way, I think that... Uh, Rand Paul is one of the people that said this, an initial objective of getting it done by the end of September, that's in the law. Then they voted to extend that, and then they voted to extend it again and again, and then they get it out just two days or three before they're supposed to go on their vacations and not yeah, come back that, till the new year. That part's no, I don't agree with that either. Yeah. You're, you're, right, you're right in one sense. But the other thing is... Uh, <laughs> Nobody, nobody is sitting down by themselves. That there's not one person in the House or the Senate that is reading that themselves. They have sure. exhaustive staffs. Sure. So 
All right, but you still need time. You still need time to say, hey, intern A, you're doing pages 1 right. to 200, and yeah. I want a detailed account of that in you know three pages. And you're doing the, So they, they need time to get their staffs out there so that then they can sit by the fire and drink cognac and have someone read it to them and pretend that they are all-knowing when, in fact, they really don't know anything. Yeah. On either side, but they've, you know, they've convinced themselves that they're experts on these bills. Uh, one thing that's interesting, it's kind of just a headline out there. I actually haven't uh, gone deep enough to see exactly what was said. But Sean Hannity was under oath when he gave a yes. deposition. And he said that he did not believe, I think for a second, is some of the way it's being reported, uh, that the election fraud claims of former President Donald Trump were real. People are reacting all over the place to this. Uh, I wonder if just simplistically uh, the idea here would be and I think I heard this on some Fox shows. I didn't watch a lot of that show to see uh, that they would have believed it if more proof had come out. So they were much more open to the idea of it at one point. And maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong about this. Uh, but then when it, no proof ever came out, when the Kraken was never released, a lot of people did eventually turn uh, even uh, some of the people you wouldn't expect and say, OK, yeah, we don't see proof, at least coming from the Trump campaign. Yeah, when uh Hannity was talking to Sidney Powell about the whole Dominion machine thing. And at one point he did, it's very, mm, well, he came out and he said, well, how come they're silencing the whistleblowers? And then in court, in his deposition, he did say, and the quote is, I did not believe it for one second. Right. Uh, so this, this opens up Dominion to actually have a chance of winning these cases, because defamation suits are very hard to win. Yeah. But if you can prove, and this this may go a long way to do this, if you can prove that the executives at Fox and the on-air people at Fox believed one thing in private and were saying one thing in private, and yet being on the air saying another thing, that goes a long way to proving defamation. You know, what's interesting is I've seen cases like this before um, taken against uh, whether it's Tucker Carlson or others. And sometimes the argument is simply it, it doesn't matter if they believe it or not. They're allowed to say whatever they want. But you're right. In certain versions of these cases and with defamation being the charge, uh, it might be valuable. It might not. I don't know. I saw a lot of media just dove on it. Uh, the New York Times, of course, uh, reported about it. Uh, the people who like to report negative things about a certain side uh, loved this sure. story. Uh, for sure. Well, it's just it's it's out there, and I'm. This is just as I I'm not an attorney. No, but me everything I've been reading on both sides says that is one of the keys in a de in a sure. defamation case. Yes, if you can prove that we knew purposeful wrongdoing, we knew quote unquote the truth. Yeah, but Got we it. said the opposite. Yeah, and the thing is, if you're if you're an entertainment show, you can you can say stuff to sure. a certain point. People are not supposed to believe it. But when you couch yourself, and I don't care who this is, if you couch yourself as the news and you are putting out disinformation, well, you got to be held responsible for that. Yeah, no, I think that's true on all sides. I would like to see that yes, be something. Yes, oh, I agree. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see matter. that. Yeah, now here, one other quick thing I want to mention to you, and I want to uh, craft you a very specific question. So I apologize right. for doing this. Uh, but all that conversation about Elon Musk, about stepping down from Twitter via that one poll that was out there, and then the newer one he put out asking people if they thought that um, the uh, politician should sign this 1.7 omnibus spending bill, and a lot of people said no. It's interesting to see some of the reactions. On the hand of, should I step down as CEO, where a lot of people said yes, a lot of coverage was, he better do it now. That poll said it. You better follow it. And then when he put out the one, which got a lot less votes, as to whether or not the politician should sign a bill, uh, he was criticized heavily 
for misusing Twitter as something it's not, pretending that that, um, that uh, poll had importance when it didn't. And my simple question to you, because for a long time now, you and I both know it, uh, media has treated Twitter like it was a valuable hive mind. If people got upset about something and it was all over Twitter, a lot of news organizations, a lot of businesses would behave as though that was a true sentiment of the American people. They'd, they'd make changes. Uh, but here's my question. Would it be valuable if it actually was the thing that Elon is trying to make it? Like if we could make it for real a thing where people went a whole lot more than two million and told our government officials directly via the technology today whether we want them to sign yes or no to a thing. So then a Chuck Schumer can't roll in front of a microphone and say, we're doing this for the American people. And then someone on the other side can roll in front of a microphone and say, I'm stopping this for the American people. Wouldn't it be better to know? And no more. And I know this stuff would be susceptible to hacks and whatnot. But if that's the goal, is that a good goal for a social media page like Twitter? Well, it's a it's a goal. I don't think it's a realistic goal because it already exists. We already can go when on we Twitter. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, but there's polls everywhere. There's there's a how many times does Congress vote against something that a million poll not a million but a number of polls of the american people <laughs> show the exact opposite yeah well you know? it's just never but, so so if we're yeah. on twitter mm -hmm. and we're doing it we can still directly talk to politicians on twitter sure you know if you want to tweet at uh, chuck schumer you can tweet at chuck schumer mm -hmm. no it's, i it i understand i understand what you're saying but any of those polls any of that uh garnering of information it's always just a subset it's always just a a guesstimate of of pushing a number from a few thousand and assuming it's it's reflective of of millions and i think it well makes... you're never going to get you're never going to get the kind of numbers that i think you're proposing which your if number you... your proposal makes sense they're not going to be on twitter there's so many people sure. but, but i think going that's back the... to your initial point right. no we and i think <laughs> we... i yeah. We think social media is the be-all, end-all, and it is not. No, I totally agree with you. I think that that's true right now. I think if a goal right. for the, the platform is to convince more people to join it by demonstrating the power of it, if you get a whole lot of people involved in logging on and voicing their own opinion by just clicking a yes or no button, uh, that might be something with the technology capabilities we have, as I said, that, that could be more valuable than anything we've ever seen in the world of social media. I know it's like a, um, I'm being as as idyllic as possible on this thing but i think that's what elon envisions twitter to inevitably be and that's why the polls are popping up on his his social media account i don't think it's truly because he wants to scream and yell his opinion to the public but because he wants the public to start gravitating to the machine and i would like it if a lot more people did that i guess i'm wondering how many edibles you consumed this morning <laughs> because this is a very this is a a great theory uh, sitting around having a couple cocktails. Elon gotcha. wants to say what Elon wants. Elon, I don't believe, cares right. one iota what the public really thinks. Your idea is is sound. If there was a place where we could in real time, but what's going right. to stop me from voting or you from voting a hundred? No, I said I said that. Poll. That I know there'd be some technology I, I things know. we'd have to figure out and some ways to hack it or try to try to change it, but. Uh, to what work about older it. voters who can barely dial their phone? They have to get a cricket. <laughs> well, and by and, you know, <laughs> no, I, I agree. I understand what you're saying. But by the way, I think the reason for that Twitter blue to change so much into what it's going to become, where you got to pay and and prove who you are, 
Uh, it might eventually be to give you access to, say, voting in real time on some of that stuff. I don't know. I, it's Anyway, I think it's interesting. I think it's uh, potentially a valuable goal. Uh, it may never be achievable, as you said. I agree. A quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show with my buddy Brian Noonan hanging out. States? Uh, no. Deep doo-doo? Yeah. The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. My buddy with me is Brian Noonan for about another uh, minute or two, uh, Brian, and then we're going to be out of here. Uh, happy holidays to everybody listening. Merry Christmas. I want to ask you a quick question, and then I will make sure to mention uh, Realities May Vary and The Brian Noonan Show as places that people can go to find you. I'll mention it in a second, That's not now. Perfect. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank not you. Now. Uh, no, later. Um, but I want to ask you this. I know the World Cup had a certain level of interest here in the United States, not the same as the rest of the world. I saw a headline today that in Argentina, in order to celebrate the win, a whole lot of ladies went topless during the celebration. Would that change the amount of interest in soccer here in our country if we had celebrations like this? Yes, if Super Bowl Monday was topless, <laughs> I'd be excited. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. it. I'm yeah. for any, if Groundhog Day, if Pugsatawney Phil sees his shadow, come on. <laughs> celebrate Let's that. Go. Celebrate that like it's Mardi Gras, huh? It's so joyous All right. to be unencumbered by a top. That's true. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody just no, go ahead. I'm taking my, I took my shirt off the minute I started talking to you today. <laughs> I was so excited to be on the Chad Benson Show with you, Craig. All right. With very little time left, uh, just to mention it, uh, Facebook.com, Instagram, all the places. The Brian Noonan Show is the easiest place to find you. And then you also have a podcast, uh, which is actually also live streamed on YouTube and Facebook. That is Realities May Vary. Anything else the people need to know about you, bud? No, just uh, you can find out all my uh, everywhere I am on one of those places. Nice. Okay. And how have the podcast so, been going? I, can good? I echo your Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays yeah. to everybody? Uh, thank you for having me on today. It was a pleasure, a great way to end the year on Chad's show. Phil, doing a yeoman's job behind the scenes. Uh, i got to <laughs> wow. give Phil a shout-out so no. that I, you know, I get on the nice list. Yes, absolutely. And Phil dealing with you in the last hour off the air, that was really uh, something I've never seen before. He's a pro, man. That was incredible. <laughs> All the questions Phil's you were asking. my place. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we got to go. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Uh, one more time, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I'll see you guys soon. Chad is back after the holiday. This is the Chad Benson Show.